0: This morning I wanted to have a look at uh, the five fools. Um, I looked at this message, and we see a lot of foolish people around today. Foolish in the things that they do, foolish in the things that they say, foolish in the in the things that they think. We've got YouTube channels devoted to people doing uh, fools doing stupid things. We need to be able to identify different people, uh, identify different types of fools and have an understanding of how best to deal with them, how to counsel them if necessary, if, if, if at all possible. In the Old Testament, the word fool is actually translated, for, um, is a translation of five different Hebrew words. Now, see in the outline there, I made a typo when I sent it through to Elise. That first one is a, is a Hebrew word as well, not a Greek word. But there's five Hebrew words that we're going to be uh, looking at this morning. And, and they reflect, reflect subtle differences in types of fools. Unfortunately, the English translation makes it more difficult to be able to identify the characteristics of the five types of fools. But with careful search of the scripture... Uh, we will be able to see these differences and, and, uh, and they can be distinguished. So for us to be able to be wise counsellors or wise parents, wise pastors or wise friends or wise spouses, we need to be able to understand the progression that rebellion has and that is reflected in, in the Bible's description of these five different types of fools. If you learn to perceive the characteristics of these five different fools that we'll, we'll look at, uh, you'll be equipped to be able to identify and respond to such different types of people uh, with wisdom and discernment. Let's just open in prayer. Well, God, we thank you for your word, and uh, it's great depths, Lord. We thank you that uh, we can receive wisdom through it, Lord, if we but search it and... and um, look to find its depths Lord and we thank you for um your uh, wisdom that can be found in the book of Proverbs Lord and how it talks about different foolish people we pray that you would help us to have an understanding of that and we would get rid of foolishness in our own life but um and and draw on godly wisdom Lord but we'll be able to help others Lord who would be around us as well and um that uh, we'll be able to share your gospel through that as well and we just pray that you would be with us during the morning's message lord fill me with the holy spirit that you would uh, uh, do a work this morning in jesus name amen the first fool i want to look at is the simple fool the hebrew word for simple uh, fool is pethe the word pethe and the root word of of it, um, which is derived from uh, pathé, implies extreme vulnerability, literally meaning to be opened up. And when I think about this and I try and picture it visually, I, th- I think of some sort of open wound. If your body is cut open, literally cut open and exposed, uh, what happens? It hurts, Right? And uh, our senses are in overdrive. Our pain receptors are feeling everything at its highest. A light wind, an accidental bump, um, would usually, uh, w- which usually wouldn't sort of hurt us, uh, is now very bad. And uh, is, we feel those, uh, just the lightest things. When we are opened up and exposed in this literal sense, we want to protect it as well. We want to um, protect it from bumps or jabs or uh, any physical things. We also want to protect it from um, things that we can't see, like infections and diseases and those sort of things. The simple fool opens up his mind to any passing thought. He opens his arms to any passing stranger. and uh, In other words, he lacks discernment. He has an oversimplified view of the world, uh, of life, and fails to recognize the cause and effect sequences that, that are in, in life that are all around him. So I'm going to be turning to a, a number of, of uh, passages in Proverbs so to, to illustrate all these things. So you can turn to Proverbs 22 verse 3. Prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple, so this is the pethae fool, um, the simple uh, pass on and are punished. Because the simple fool is not discerning, um, he is easily captivated by all sorts of enticements and deceptions. He is dangerously immature and extremely gullible and intensely curious. In the absence of um, instruction and consistent discipline, the simple fool will naturally become more foolish. I, th- I sometimes think of a uh, think about that, and you think of a child, and a child is is like that. They're very simple. They're very immature. They're, they're gullible. You can suck them into doing funny things, and they're intensely curious. Uh, a child will see you frying up something on the pan, and they think, oh, that's interesting, and they want to touch it. And then we know that it will burn you, but that intense curiosity will draw them to doing things, foolish things that will hurt them. And this is that that that, that type of uh, a fool. They'll do dumb stuff, and that dumb stuff will lead them to doing more dumb stuff. They don't get naturally smarter, they get dumber. If, we, if they're not... Um, given instruction. That goes against evolution, doesn't it? Uh, they would want us to believe that because of the survival of the fittest, we somehow get smarter and smarter. And this is not really true. It seems that the further that we move away from God, the dumber that we get. We can see that we look back in history, the Tower of Babel, ancient times after the flood there, they, they were very smart people. They the scripture says they were able to do whatever their mind uh, wanted to do. They, they were going to build this tower to heaven. And then we have after that a departure a, a, away from God. God had to split them up, and, but we have a uh, moving away and we have the, the dark ages. We don't have a lot written there, but um, we see that people got stupid, got foolish. We went back to like cave times, caveman times. But we can also look at um, the differences between countries. Have a look at countries that have a Christian heritage against those who don't have a Christian heritage. And a lot of them are, are, are third world countries now. They've, they've gone back to simplicity. They're tribal countries and those sort of things that have moved away. And, and when they've, they've come to God, with that becomes wisdom and, uh, and uh, progression within their communities. Uh, it's not until that we've moved back to this modern age where we're nearly back to the times of Babel once again where we've overcome that language barrier or the barrier of, of distance and things that we once again can, are getting to the last times so that whatever man wants to put his mind to, they can pretty well do. But this simple fool is especially vulnerable. He is vulnerable to seduction. He lacks an understanding of the irreversible consequences of moral failure. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7 and verses 6 and 7. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple fools, or among the pethay fools, um, the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. This passage speaks about this simple pethe fool and who is totally oblivious about what he's going to get himself into uh, with this with this married woman. He is seduced by her and does not see the destruction which is going to come uh, from it. Go further down the chapter to verses twenty two to twenty three. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteneth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. He's, he's just going to go headlong into that, not knowing that it's going to uh, bring, him, uh, bring him down. And Proverbs warns us about these fools. And it warns us against being one of these fools. But it also gives instruction for the simple fool himself. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 4. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Um, and then which gives subtlety to the simple. It gives subtlety to this pethe fool. Uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. These Proverbs here, the Proverbs of Solomon, are given to be able to give instruction to these fools. It's here for that purpose. Young people growing up looking for wisdom, this is where we need to be able to go. Um, one of the other fools, um, which we'll look at a little bit later on, called the scorning fool, uh, which we'll get to later, but this scorning fool is going to seek out these simple fools and try to become their heroes. Therefore, to protect the simple fools from the destructive influence of these scorning fools, it is critical to... Critical to bring swift correction to the scorning fools. Proverbs 1925 says, Smite a scorner, and the simple, the pethay, the pethe fool, the simple fool, uh, will beware. So we need to be able to make sure that we do that, and we'll talk a bit more about that a bit later. So this simple fool, this pethay fool, is salvageable, but he needs much wisdom. He needs to fill his being with the right things. Not just with these foolish things. As you said, he'll just get dumber and dumber. He needs to be able to fill himself with godly wisdom. And wisdom that can be found here in the book of Proverbs uh, throughout all of scripture. So how many of you read the whole book of Proverbs? There's a number of you. How many have read it multiple times? All right, that's good. So have you, um, have you ever read something over again and you've got something different out of it. You do something you didn't see before. It's rich, the book is, uh, and God's word is rich treasure that can be dug, but it needs to be dug regularly. We need to go over that. And we can read the book of Proverbs in a month. How many chapters are in the book of Proverbs? 31. 31. How many days in the longest day of the month? 31. We can read a, a chapter of Proverbs a day. If you read a chapter a day, you'll get through it in a month. And then you can repeat and do it over and over and over. And you can and, and do that. And guess what happens uh, over time? Some of that starts to stick. We'll start to hold on to it and remember it. We'll remember verses. We'll start to understand them better. God will show us things that we never saw before. We start to become more familiar with them as we dwell on them and we meditate upon them. So that, that's our first fool. The second fool is the silly fool. And the Hebrew word for the silly fool is evil or evil as, as, it, as it's done there. Its definition is to be perverse silly. To be perverse silly. The mouth of a silly fool often gets him into trouble. Turn to Proverbs ten fourteen. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish, the mouth of the evil, the evil fool, is near destruction. So wise men lay up knowledge for them, but the mouth, these foolish, evil fools, will bring them destruction. Turn over to Proverbs 20 verse 3. It is an honour for a man to cease from strife, but every fool, every evil fool, will, uh, will be meddling. When things go wrong for a silly fool, he becomes angry, and which results in more damage. I remember going for a paddle down the river years ago with uh, a couple of guys. One of them was a good mate, and the other one was a mate of a mate. And uh, we went from Waterworks uh, down to we're going to paddle down to Noriel. We all had surf skis. You sit in those surf skis and you paddle down. We had some food and, and drink and stuff with us. And it was all progressing really well. It was a really stinking hot day, so it was a good day to be on the water. And uh, we are wanting to, to paddle all the way down and pop out at Noriel. But a bit before we get down towards the, um, the railway bridge on the river there's a a branch. And I remember paddling down there at at school and you could take one of those branches and it's like a little bit of a shortcut and uh, you pop out near the railway bridge. So I thought that was it and uh, we headed down that branch but that was the wrong one. I went down the wrong one, I ended up at at Wodonga Creek. And so we ended up right down the other end of the causeway down near where the the soccer oval is and the, the miniature railway, right down far away from where we were supposed to be. So we get out of the water and we're, we're carrying, we've got no shoes on, we're carrying these big water, um, these surf skis and a paddle and it's, we've got two options. We can either go down the, the highway, the, the causeway, and we'll pop out down near the river just before the bridge near, before Noriel or we can go um, down the railway line And we'll pop out at the railway bridge, which is a bit before Noriel. So we decided to go the railway line, and uh, probably wasn't the wisest decision to do that. But we decided to go down that way, and um, so we had to get up, we had to go through a bit of a paddock, and then up uh, onto the railway line. And so, but between there, there was a whole heap of blackberry bushes, and um, so we had bare feet. And we're carrying, juggling these things, and so me and my, my mate, we were trying to slowly and carefully pick our way through the blackberries. So you have to be sort of push the paddle out and step over them, and you get stuck on your leg and pull your way out, but you, you sort of carefully and gently. And we finally made our way up. The other guy who was with us had a different approach. <laughs> he he wasn't quite as wise, and he was bullheaded. And that's the way he approached it. And he just thought he'd, he'd rip his way in, into the, the blackberries and muscle his way through. And you know what happened. He got torn up, torn to shreds. Anyway, his way wasn't working. And so he got angry. And so he got angry and he threw his surf ski away. And me and the other mate are up there looking at him like, oh, that's just more stupid. Like, now you've got to walk over there, get through the bushes again, go and grab your surf ski and come back. And um, he he had to go and do that. He had to go through more thorns to go and get them to go and get his uh, paddle Sursky back and then come back. and things went um, went wrong for this guy and he was certainly a fool, he got angry and he made things worse again because of the way his, his attitude was. And he made things uh, a lot a lot worse. Proverbs. 27 verse 3 says a stone is heavy and the sand weighty but a fool or the evil's wrath is heavier than them both so he got he got cranky he got very angry when he when he did this and a a silly fool believes that his own way is right he's thinking he thinks that the way he's thinking is right and that guy thought that oh he'll be able to just smash through these prickles and thorns and and get his way up there nice and simple. Um, He can't see anything else. He can't see anything else but his own way and then um, gets angry when, when his way doesn't work. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So we need to be able to listen these silly fools don't don't listen. They want to go their own way and they get angry when it doesn't work. But we should be listening to wise counsel. So much so, um, this, wi- this uh, fool, he can't see anything else, that he reacts to the instruction when it is given. So we were trying to tell this guy um, not not to do that. We, did, we didn't want to see him hurt himself, um, but he couldn't see it. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools, these pet, the pethe, oh, sorry, the evil, <coughs> the evil fool despise wisdom and instruction. He didn't want to hear, he didn't want to hear that we were telling him to slow down and just slowly pick your way through and you'll get you'll get through. He didn't want to hear that. Proverbs ten twenty one says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die because of the want of of wisdom. Wisdom's there for them to be able to get, but they don't want it. They're, they're, um, <clears throat> they don't even go there. So argument, persuasion, and advice from well-meaning friends fail to convince silly fools of error. We tried to tell him to slow down and pick his way through, but he was determined to do it his own way. So proper correction from authorities, which publicly shames the silly fool... Will more often be effective than help uh, in helping him change his ways. Proverbs twenty nine verse nine says, "A wise man contendeth um, with a foolish man, but whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest." Proverbs seven twenty two says, "He that goeth after her, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as we read before, or as a fool to the correction of the stroc, to the stocks." It wasn't until he threw that ski away. <clears throat> and we told him that that was stupid, and he was now going to have to go and, and get it, um, that he slowed down and started to carefully pick his way through. He was embarrassed by the way he reacted. He was embarrassed because he made it worse for himself. That he had to go That He saw the way that he was approaching it was silly, um, and that he had to listen to some wise counsel, had to listen to say, well, slow down, pick your way through, and you'll, you'll, get, you'll get up here. So the approach to deal with the silly fool is just that. They need proper correction and public shaming to be able to get some change. Thirdly is the sensual fool. And there's a progression within these fools. The one who rejects the correction of parents or other authorities will become the sensual fool. This type of fool is identified in scripture with the Hebrew word uh, kesil which means fat or stupid or silly. The word denotes a person who's, who seems determined to make wrong choices. He does not have mental deficiency. He's not mentally disabled or anything like that, but rather rejects the wisdom of God. The central fool's focus is on which brings him immediate Pleasure. He glories in that which he should be ashamed of. Proverbs 10.23. Let's read that. It is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. So it's sport for this kesel, that's the Greek word, kesel, um, this sensual fool to do mischief. They have fun. They enjoy. They like to make people feel awkward. Um, they like to by doing these um, things that they should be ashamed of. Let's turn to Proverbs thirteen in verse nineteen and twenty. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is abomination to fools to depart from evil. He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. A sensual fool is is unreasonable. As a silly fool, his mouth his mouth gets him into trouble, but now as a sensual fool, he's progressed on a bit more, and his mouth now gets him into more trouble, more trouble than he and he was as that other fool, greater trouble than he was before. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter eighteen, where it talks about this uh, uh, this kese fool. Uh, Proverbs 18 and verses 6 and 7. A fool, a a kessil fool, uh, his lips entereth into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes or blows. A fool, um, a fool's mouth, so the kessil's mouth, is his destruction. His lips are the snare of his soul. So he's going to get himself into trouble. And we have written in scripture that even a fool can seem wise if he shuts up, if he's quiet. But this guy is foolish, he's stupid, and he gets himself into trouble. He digs himself a hole, and he just keeps digging with with the words that come out of his mouth. Scripture scripture actually gives us more warnings about the sensual fool than about any other type of fool in the scripture. His motives and methods are subtle. He's... This type of fool should be avoided altogether, because those who follow him will be led astray. Look at verse thirteen oh sorry chapter thirteen and verse twenty. He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools, the companion of the Kessil, shall be destroyed. If you hang out with these types of fools, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Um, Wrong choices, you're going to get into the trouble that he gets into, but you also start to make wrong choices yourself. You're going to start to get sucked into whatever pleasure or glory um, or um, desire that this guy or or gal is, is pursuing. So if you're hanging out with them, you'll get sucked into doing similar things with them. Severe punishment is described, uh, is prescribed for the sensual fool. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 3. So this is how we're supposed to deal uh, with the sensual fool, the kessil fool. Uh, Proverbs 26 and verse 3. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the ...for the fool's back or the kessil's back. They need, they need punishment. Punishment needs to go up a gear for these guys. Proverbs 19.29 says... ...judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. Um, just a public shaming for this guy... ...where we had the the, the, the silly fool before... The ...public shaming was enough to be able to get him to change his ways... But for the sensual fool, um, shaming is not enough. These guys need to, be f- to feel the punishment. They need severe punishment to be able to change their ways. The full force of the law needs to be applied uh, to them. Now, crim- criminal system is too lenient. Uh, they are too soft and they give too many slaps on the wrists um, to these type of fools. And th- these people just end up laughing to themselves and they think it's all a joke. They need to be properly punished um, so they do not turn into this next fool, which is the scorning fool. The scorning fool. And the Hebrew word um, denotes um, for this um, fool is lutz. The scorning fool, is um, the Hebrew word is lutz, which is to make mouths at, that is to scoff. The scorning fool's facial expressions communicate the disain, this dis, disdain and contempt that he has in his heart towards all authorities, including their parents, their civil authorities, and God. This type of fool not only has rejected truth, he also has embraced that which is abominable to God. Let's turn to Psalm 1. Oh, sorry, um, yeah, Psalm 1.1. 1, 1. Just keep your finger in Proverbs. Now, this, this describes a progression of foolishness. Blessed is the man that walketh in the counsel, um, sorry, blessed is um, the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Okay. So, Psalm 1-1 describes a progression of foolishness, referring to the man who first walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, so he's <clears throat> these fools, he's hanging around with him. he's walking around, he's sort of, he's not a part of them yet, but he's, he's, he's interested, he's intrigued by what they're doing, and he's walking with them. And then... The next progression is then stands in the way of sinners. So he's still not fully part of them, but he's standing with them. So he's he's sort of right in amongst them. He can hear what they're saying, see what they're doing. He's standing with them. So first he was walking with them. Now he's standing with them. And finally he he's now sits in the seat of the scornful, which is the word here we're looking at, Lutes. So now he's sitting with them. He's part of it. He's progressed on. He's in, he's in the group. When you're sitting with them, you're a part of that group and you're as much a part of them as, as any, any, anyone else who's sitting in that circle of people. The scorning fool utterly detests, detests people and ideas that contradict his false thinking. And he expresses his scorn through derisive attitudes, behavior, and speech. Have you seen these type of fools? There seems to be a lot of them around these days, especially on social media. Very quick to mock, very quick to scorn people today because of something they said or because what they're believing in. Um, there are lots of scornful people around today. The scornful fool turns a deaf ear to rebuke. Back over in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, A wise man heareth his father's instruction but a scorner heareth not rebuke. next chapter in verse chapter uh, chapter 14 and verse 6 it says a scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not but the knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth so these fools have switched off they are no longer listening it's their way or the highway they even think that they are that they want to they even think that they want wisdom, that they seek after it, but this verse says that they can't find it. They can't find it because they do not want to listen to it when it is around them. Those who attempt to lead the scorning fool away from the path of destruction um, that he seems determined to follow will also suffer his wrath. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 12. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him. Neither will he go unto the wise. So you try and tell this bloke he's, he's going down the wrong path. He's going to get angry at you. He's going to hate you for it. Um, turn back to Proverbs chapter nine, same same message. Um, Proverbs chapter nine verse seven and eight. He that reproveth a scorner getteth himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Uh, he reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction unto a wise man, and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. These guys, y- y- you're not going to be able to rebuke. I had a, some cousins who got mixed up with drugs uh, a number of years ago. They were hooked on on ice. And uh, they were on a downward spiral and were over uh, at my auntie's place for Christmas. And uh, my sister and her husband were staying around at these particular cousins' place. And they weren't quite aware of how bad it was before they went there. But you could see the downward spiral that they were on. Now, physically, they, they looked racked um, and, and neglected. Uh, they had young kids, their kids weren't uh, looking tidy and neat and, and well looked after as they used to either. And my sister and her husband decided to confront them about uh, their drug use. They loved them, um, they, wanted them to, they wanted to help them um, and to, to show them the error of their ways. They did that, uh, but it didn't go very well. And they got very angry with them, they scorned them for it, they denied it all, and they didn't speak with them for quite a while. So it wasn't uh, until they finally got off the drugs at a later stage that they realised what my sister and her husband were trying to, to do, that they were trying to help them. And that, that they did come to appreciate that what they did try to do at that time. But at, at that time, they weren't against it. They all they received was wrath, and a, a scorner uh, must be punished for his own sake and for the sake of those who they can potentially influence. There must be consequences, and uh, they they had consequences. They nearly had had their kids taken from them, and and things like that. So and they they saw what they were were doing over time, and and they did change their ways, but. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 25 here talks about the, the scornful fool. And it says, Smite a scorner, smite the lutes, and the, and the simple, the pethe will beware. We mentioned that er, earlier when we were looking at the, the first fool. And that these guys need to be severely punished and have severe consequences for what, um, for what they do not only to break themselves out of that, but as an example to those who are further up the chain to be able to show, well, man, I'm not going to go down that route because I can see where that leads to. We mentioned this earlier. This loot, this uh, scorning fool, needs to be made an example of so other fools like the pethe fool will beware and not go down that similar line. Proverbs 21 and verse 11 uh, says, when the scorner or the loot is punished, the simple uh, is made wise. Proverbs 22, verse 10 says, Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. We get to the last fool, the steadfast fool. And the last one, um, the Hebrew word there is nabal, which means stupid, wicked. Stupid, wicked, which identifies this, this type of fool. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, Nabal is is translated as a vile person. A steadfast fool totally rejects God and his ways. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1 where it talks about this fool. Oh, sorry, Psalm, not Proverbs, Psalm. Psalm 14, 1. It says, The fool, and here it's talking about the Nabal, the Nabal fool, the steadfast fool, has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. This type of fool is self-confident and closed-minded. He is his own God, freely gratifying his lower nature. And his goal is to draw other people in to be doing the same evil ways that he's doing attempts to reprove him is futile and bring and brings frustration to the one who tries to influence him only god can successfully reprove the steadfast fool this guy needs to be handed over to the lord there is no point in trying to enter into a debate or lecture or to try and punish him Only the Lord is able to bring them to a point where they bow the knee and they become open to God's light and his wisdom. We can't fix it. Only God can. So we need to faithfully pray for them and that the Lord would do a work. We sometimes desperately want to be able to fix it. We want to be able to do something. But we can't. We can't always do that. There's a lot of things we can't do. It's only through the Lord that we can do anything. And so we need to be able to identify people like this to be able to know to hand them over to the Lord. So, what is the overall message? Well, it is one that um, well is that there is a need for us to be able to choose wisdom. Choose wisdom and reject foolishness. Proverbs 122, which we read in our reading declares, that how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof, before, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known uh, my words unto you. God is is there waiting to be able to give his wisdom to us. He wants to be able to show us wise things, how to deal with different situations through our life. Um, if we but hand it over to him and, and search him out. God is waiting to help us. We just need to turn to him and he will pour out his wisdom to us. Amen. Verse 32 in, in chapter 1, um, there, there says, The turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely. And he shall be quiet from fear of evil. And that's a promise. Something we can, we can stand on. And no, if we hearkeneth unto God, he will give us safety and will be quiet from the fear of evil. If we follow after God's ways, we will have a peaceful life. Have you noticed how foolish people have lots of drama in their life? There's always bad stuff happening. We're working at Jack's, Miles knows, and there's always drama with these young blokes. There's, they're doing stupid stuff. They are fight on the weekend or there's a brawl, there's problems with their girlfriends. There's all this drama because of the foolish stuff that they have. But if we follow after God and his ways, we get, lot of, uh, get rid of a lot of that drama. And um, that's, what, that's what foolishness brings. We need to be able to heed this declaration um, and uh, it says in Ephesians 5.15 that we need to walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise. Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3.35 says the wise shall inherit glory but shame shall be the promotion of fools. So it's clear here that we need to gain godly wisdom. But how do we go about getting that? Well, one of the primary ways to do that is by meditating on the word of God. So how do we meditate on scripture? We're running out of time. Um, so, but we do that through meditating on scripture. So letting the word of God dwell in our lives. The words of scripture are living words. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing unto the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's, that's this word of God. We're sit, most of you got it sitting on your laps. That's what this can do. They contain eternal wisdom held in the shell of human words. God wants us to break open these words and begin to discover the rich wealth and personal application and the understanding that this holds. This goal can be accomplished as you memorize and meditate on Scripture. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3.16, "'Let the word of Christ dwell in you, live in you, richly in all wisdom.'" Meditation on scripture will cause scripture to dwell in you, to live in you, and become a source of wisdom for your mind, for your will, and for your emotions. Remember that meditation can't be done in a hurry. We live in a very fast-paced world. We've got, we're multitasking all the time. We're switching. Our attention spans have, have come down to that of a goldfish. And but meditation on God's word takes time. Doing studies on the meanings of a passage, committing um, verses to memory, um, prepare you to be able to meditate on it. And as you meditate, the Holy Spirit will teach you the ways of God through His Word. John sixteen thirteen says, "Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of Truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth." For he shall speak of himself, but whatsoever ye shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So, we've got a few points here in the, in the outline. Uh, how to meditate on scripture. So first, firstly, there's a, a few th- keys that we can do. So we need to worship God in your spirit. Your times of meditation should be times of worship and fellowship with God. Worship God in your spirit um, as you quote God's word back to him. So we need to be not just trying to um, get something out of it for ourselves, a selfish thing. We should be worshipping God through being able to quote his verses, uh, his word back to him. Uh, We need to reverence God's word. And purpose to do according to all that is written therein, Joshua 1.8. The I mean, purpose towards uh, following after God, to worship God through being obedient to him. The second point is to personalize the passage. Um, turn to Colossians 3.16, which we quoted before. Colossians three sixteen. That the word of God, the Lord of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Okay, so if we personalize it by putting the first person on it, so we start using I and me and my we start to then apply it into our own lives. So let's use Colossians 3.16 as we uh, quoted as, a, as an example. We could personalise that by saying, let the word of Christ dwell in me richly in all wisdom. And you see how that changes? You can start to apply it when you start to personalise it and, and make it part of you. When you put scripture in the first person, it becomes a living expression within your heart which is one of the aspects of meditation, being able to meditate on it. The next point is give attention to each word of each verse. Remember we were doing some study uh, on preaching uh, through the Monday night classes years ago when um, I went through those. We, we had an exercise in doing this. By focusing on one verse at a time, um, quote, uh, quote it to the Lord, pondering each word. With each recitation of a verse, emphasize a different word. For example, if you were to meditate on John 3, 3.16, you would emphasize a different word each time you repeated the passage. So you start, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And you dwell on that. And then you change it, you go, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And then you go for God so loved the world. And then you go for God so loved the world. And then when you start to focus on each different word, you start to um, and meditate upon that. You emphasise that. You start to get different meanings. You're attentive to those words. That simple method of meditation will reveal new insights. Give you great understanding of passages and sentences as you hear words of the passage you will discern nuances and associations that you have previously overlooked. The passage um, that you've read silently to yourself starts to become different, and verbally speaking it can change it as well by verbally speaking um, the word out loud you you realize. You, you might have to it doesn 't sound right when you say it out loud, and you have to change where the is are or where where to make sure that you're doing it and and having the message clear. Martin Luther, one of the pivotal figures of church history, gave detailed instructions on how to meditate. He says you should meditate not only in your heart but also externally by actually repeating and comparing oral speech with the literal words of the book, reading and rereading them with. Diligent attention and reflection so that you may be able to um, see what the Holy Spirit means by them. Another one here, which is new to me, um, is to illustrate the main concepts found within the passage. As you memorise and meditate on a passage, look for biblical concepts and patterns. Sometimes drawing simple illustrations like stick figures and symbols can help you remember the main ideas of a passage. Not only will um, the actual creation of the illustration help you further meditate on the meaning of the passage, but the illustrations can serve as a simple summary of what the Lord is teaching you through the meditation on his word. Each illustration should represent... um, your current understanding of the action um, being described in, in the verse or phrase. And as you do it more, your understanding of the verse will deepen. Your illustrations might expand or change as well. So I'll have to give that one a try. I haven't done that one. I've done a little bit. When back on uh, teaching Sunday school. We used to have to do some of that as, as um, um, actions for the students to be able to do. You get them to illustrate a certain passage to try and get an, uh, an understanding of that. The next one is meditate on scripture as you go to sleep at night. And this one I do do, and it works. One of the most critical times to meditate on God's word is as you go to sleep each night. In scripture, there are many references to meditating on scripture at this time. Joshua 1, 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for when thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Psalm 1.2 But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his, in his law doth he meditate day and night. Psalm 63.6 When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Very specific there. Psalm 119 verse 48, Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. The quiet moments of preparing for sleep offer an ideal setting for contemplation and fellowship with the Lord. The thoughts that are on your mind as you go to sleep will be in your subconscious mind throughout all that night. You will strongly influence your attitudes the next day, both consciously and subconsciously. If you're struggling to go to sleep, try and quote scripture in your your mind. Uh, You'll soon knock out pretty quickly. (laughs) As much as you want to even stay awake and try and conquer a passage or something like that, you'll start falling asleep. The next one, respond to God as he teaches you. This is our last one. Respond to God as he teaches you. As you meditate, don't be discouraged if you have to go over a passage several times before insights start to come to mind. As God reveals an insight to you, pray it back to him and ask him for the grace to be able to apply that truth to your life. If the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin in your life, confess it to the Lord and be forgiven. We need to apply, your, apply to your life the insights you gain through meditation on the scripture. So we've got five different fools and then we've got a way to be able to have wisdom in our life. I challenge you to be in the word, meditate on his word and, and dwell in him. Let his scripture and, and uh, his word dwell in your mind and, and uh, you will be rewarded through that and that you would be able to give wisdom to others as well. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning and it is a a marvellous and uh, treasure filled um, uh, thing, Lord, that we can have with us in many different forms, Lord, we have such availability of it but we neglect it so often, pray that you would help us to be in it, Lord, to be meditating upon your word and dwelling in it, Lord, that our thoughts would be your thoughts and we will be growing in you, Lord. Give us wisdom on how to deal with fools, Lord, that we would firstly get rid of foolishness in our own life, but we would also have counsel and how to deal with other people who would be excuse me, around us. And, and that if necessary, that we would hand them over to you, Lord, if, we, if they are um, to be in your hands, Lord. We thank you for each one who's come this morning. We pray that you would uh, encourage them, build them up, Lord, in you. They will be excited about following after a living God who loves them and and wants to keep them and is there um, willing to help them grow if we but turn to you, Lord. We thank you for this time now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.